hello. Welcome to Healthy Perspectives, a podcast that takes on current cultural and social issues through a clinical lens. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we appreciate your time. I have a, a an interesting one today. I'm going to do something that I have not yet done in here, and that is I am going to give you a little uh, uh, li- little insight into how my mind works as a clinician, as a, a counselor, when it comes to brand new material. There is a topic that I've been digging into quite a bit lately. Uh, so let, let me tell you how this started. Um, I read a book. It's called iGen. Uh, the the title is actually very long. It's called iGen: Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood, and What This Means for the Rest of Us. <laughs> That's a big title. Okay. In short, it's called iGen. I-G-E-N. Now, why do I, I, I refer to that book? Well, one, because for those of you who are not involved in the research on a regular basis, uh, I highly recommend it. This is the author uh, is uh, last name Twinge, w- T-W-E-N-G-E. Uh, they, she's a researcher. Uh, I believe it's a she. Uh, and They've taken a lot of data, longitudinal data, which is the best data that we can create, generally speaking, in terms of this population and this particular issue. And they've explained what's happening, or I should say what has happened. Uh, they don't necessarily, uh, because it's it's kind of hard to say this is current and this is 2017 was when it was released. And so what we don't know is what this means yet. They give you some hypotheses, uh, but I wanted to talk about it. Okay. That was a long winded introduction, but let me just give it to you this way. I think I know what's going on with our teenagers and our young adults, the depression and anxiety and the suicidal ideation and why it's not affecting the next generation. I'm talking about those that are maybe 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, quite the same way. Now, they have their whole new bag of tricks down there because they're dealing with all of this uh, this stuff that's related to transgender and gender ideology and all that stuff. And that's hitting that younger generation in a different way. We don't know what that's going to do yet, but I think we know something that we didn't before. Okay. So let's, let's break it down for you. Uh, What they call the Facebook generation, which is right around the 2006 time period, the iPhone generation, the Facebook generation, you know, the, the, you know, all these social media sites started coming to life and they just boom, exploded onto the scene around 2006 or thereabouts. Obviously they were there before, but it, you know, it just, it, there was this burst. Okay. At the same time, access to it, even poor kids were starting to access the technology. Now this is a big deal because that 
Well, that tells us this is a marker, a cultural marker in time. Now, let's go before that. Before 2006, there was practically no significant change ever recorded in history. And they had been recording data for many, many years with regards to peer contact outside of the home, meaning two kids get together outside of the home and they go play basketball or two kids get together or five kids get together and they go to the skate rink or you know, whatever it is. This stuff was going on at a very consistent rate. Introduced 2006, it starts to dip. Now we, we believe uh, based on the data that that's pretty good correlation to the social media increase because we've been measuring social media use and social media went up and time in person time went down. Okay. Now that's a big deal. Okay. Because that means for whatever reason, we were supplementing or the kids of the time were supplementing contact with consumption of social media, meaning they'd post on there and they'd consume on there. And they thought that it was a replacement because we saw those two things. One goes up, the other goes down. And this pattern held true until about 2012. Now, around 2012, we, we started to see this downward spiral of in-person contact. We saw it sort of flatten out again a little bit, but we saw massive increases between 2012 and 2017 when this book was written of depression, anxiety, and all of that stuff long before COVID. For those of you who want to know the facts, we started seeing this trend. Basically, between 2012, 2014, the rise of depression, the rise of anxiety, and all that stuff. Now, I'm here to tell you clinical perspective. My clinical perspective on this, look, I'm going to make it really simple for you. If you don't breathe for four or five minutes, there is nothing in the world more important to you because you're about to die. Matter of fact, Three minutes, two minutes, you're still probably fighting for breaths of air. If you don't drink water for three days, you get super dehydrated and you start craving water like it's a breath of air. It's a need, not a want. Well, we know on that list of needs, which is a very short list, you don't need the car. You want the car. You don't need the job. You want the job. You don't need that money. You want that money. I know I'm pushing the limits here for you. Well, personal contact, interaction is a need, not a want. I know, man, mind blown right there, right? Personal contact is a need, not a want. So as personal contact disappeared because people were consuming what they thought was a replacement to the personal contact, it's like eating sugar and calling it food. It wasn't serving the same purpose. It was actually killing them. And so we have this generation of about six to eight years in there, uh, those teens 
that that went through during that time period that I would say have a much higher prevalence of anxiety, depression, panic disorders, stuff like that. And maybe it's because the personal contact that was needed was not there. Okay, now that's not a big stretch. You're always like, duh, Jeremiah, we get this. But let's go to the next step. Here's another thing that we haven't been tracking. Now, this is there's no data on this, but this is uh, anecdotal now. This is my opinion as a therapist, as somebody who sees this crap. I work with lots of kids. Adults, couples, I do, I do a lot of different things. And one of the things that I am noticing, and I've asked around, I've got a lot of peers that I talk to. I believe the next generation after that gap. So you're talking about kids that were born maybe 2008. Something like that, 2010, maybe. Well, probably closer to like 2010, based on the 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 uh, feedback I'm getting. So you're talking about kids who are currently 12, 13, 14. They're entering the teen years right now. I think they figured something out. I think what they have figured out is that the generation before them, that small period, not not a generation in terms of 20 years, but that that immediate. Uh, a predecessor, right? Those, those teenagers that were, that are teenagers from like, mm, you know, that, that 2006 to 2012 to 14 range. Um, and the ones immediately following them up to about 2010, all the kids that were born around the 2010 mark or thereabouts, they figured out they're watching the people in front of them suffocate and they're thinking, Hey, I don't want to suffocate. How can I solve this problem different than they did? Because the next generation, that particular generation is still consuming social media, right? You're you're 12, 13, 14 years. They're consuming social media at a great rate still but they're doing something different. And I, there is no data that covers this, at least none that I can find. And I'm hoping there is data out there. And if there is, and you find it, point me to it because I want to read it and I want to learn from it. But here's what I think. The video data, the, the, the iPhones that have, uh, you know, the ability to talk to each other on video, right? The, the, the video conferencing, um, that is also, I'm betting, on a rise. Because what I think is happening is the next generation is saying, hey, you want a FaceTime? And a FaceTime is more like personal contact. Now, is it the same as you know coming into to a space and hanging out with and being able to high five or hug? Or No, it's not the same. But is it closer to a real breath of air? Yeah. Uh, It's like if you go to high altitude, you can still breathe. It's just not easy. And you could eventually adjust. If you do it wisely, you could eventually adjust. But it's not easy at first. 
I think that's a little bit of what's going on here. So the next generation, I think they're saying, hey, let's FaceTime. Let's, 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 let's meet. And instead of meeting outside of the home, they may still be inside of the home where they're safe, according to the adults. But they're interacting in this relatively unchecked space. I think that's what's going on here. And I think they've, they're onto something. You know, even though the video conferencing and, and FaceTiming and stuff like that is not the same as in-person contact, I'm not going to lie. When I do video sessions as a counselor, it's more effective than we thought it was going to be because it's more real. I can still read affect. I can still get a sense of if you agree with me or disagree with me, if you like what you're hearing or you don't like what you're hearing, if I'm challenging you and if you roll your eyes or if you smile, there's a personableness that can be had in a video that just wasn't getting consumed on social media. Matter of fact, it was, you know, so matter of fact, social media was taking the personableness out of it, that that intimacy, because people were faking so much garbage. And now people are starting to get, the younger kids at least, seem to be starting to get used to that personal contact again through video. I would love for them to step it up and do it in person, but I got to say, it's kind of, it might be kind of a genius move. If parents are not taking you to your friends, it's better than going on social media and consuming that. We know that because the affect there, the the tone volume cadence is there. There's all these pieces that are present. So little different podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. It's a little rabbit hole. Uh, you know, if somebody wants to float me a big old check so that I can do this research, let me know. I don't think that's going to happen, but it would be amazing research. So if there's a PhD student out there uh, that wants to use this, please do just do me a favor. Uh, I don't know. Reach out to me, send me an email, and tell me that you're doing it. I just love to know that somebody's taking this and running with it because this video research, I think is going to be really big at the next stage. So do what you want with it, but thank you so much for listening. I hope this helps you think about things a little bit differently and have a great day. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. We appreciate our audience a lot. So we give you some simple ways to track us down. Please like, subscribe, and follow all the podcasts on different platforms, but you can also email us at healthyperspectives at protonmail.com, or you can check out our website at healthy-perspectives.com slash podcast. It's a backward slash. So if you want to go to our landing page, if you go to healthy-perspectives.com, you'll still find us. You just got to click on the podcast button. Thank you so much.